Welcome to Hamilton Elam. Such a privilege to be chatting with you today. I'm going to be a little more casual for our last service, so I'm chatting with you. Um, we're going to be sharing about our journey to Budapest. So who here knows where Budapest is? Yeah, it's a little bit, oh yeah, great, four people. Um, so a little bit of a social studies test here. No. But it's in, it's in Europe in a country called Hungary, which is part of um, Eastern Europe. Um, we're planning to head over there next year, hopefully in January or July. So this is just a little bit about our journey and how we made the decision to go there and all that sort of thing. So can we have a quick prayer before we get started? Otherwise, I tend to ramble. <laughs> Father God, I just thank you for the words that we're going to speak out this morning. I just pray that they would encourage and uplift, and I just pray that every word would be from you and that we'd leave the rest behind. In Jesus' name, amen. Cool. So um, last service, I forgot the slides, so let's not forget it this time. Oh, my battery's probably gone flat. <gasps> there we go. So this is um, my handsome husband, Glyn, uh, when he was a teenager. This was pre-selfie, um, so quite a few years ago. Can we do the math? Was that like 20 years ago? 15 years ago? 15, 17 years ago, this photo was taken. So this is Glenn. Um, this, he he kind of looked like this when I met him, but a little bit older, a lot like ginger blonde hair that was sort of going in all directions. Um, a fashion sense that comes from the middle of Hamilton. I'll leave that to your imagination. A <laughs> little bit bogan. I had never met a bogan before I met Glenn because I come from Flaxmere in Hawke's Bay. I don't know if any of you know that. There are no bogans in Flaxmere. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are a bogan, you don't stay there for very long. <laughs> um, but this, oh, 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 there we go. Okay, this is me when, this is us when we got married. This is a week after we're married, so we're a week into marital bliss. Can you tell how blissed out we look? So young. We have so much hair. Look at all that hair. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, yes, Glenn was very disappointed when I changed my hairstyle, but... You know, in marriage, we live and learn, and we, we grow, and we move on. So when I married Glenn 10 years ago, I moved up here to Hamilton to be with him, and he was currently attending Elim Church, so I joined him here, and we've been here ever since. So it's been 10 and a half good years of being here at Elim, and we've seen a lot, um, and somehow we're still here. That's great. Yeah, <laughs> I had just, um, I was 20 when I married Glenn, so I had just come out of my teenage years, which was a mess, we'll leave it there, it was quite chaotic, but in the end, he put a ring on it and we were all good, so, <laughs> yep, and so um, I'd like to say I left all my bad decisions behind, but they continued with me into marriage and we're just kind of trying to make it work, um, but when I moved up here to Hamilton, I started an internship here at Elam. And um, because I'd been Christian for most of my life, um, an internship sounded like something that would sort of take me to the next level. And um, at the end of this internship, I was offered a pastoral role here at church, um, which I thought was a given. Like I thought that I would just move into the next role of this internship, which was to be a pastor. And my dad asked me, he said, Naomi, things are going to get real tough when you're in a pastoral position. So you need to know that you're called to this. And so you need to check in with God. And I was like, oh, okay, well, it's pretty easy. It's pretty simple. Um, so God, you just tell me that I'm called and we'll go ahead with this pastoral position. And I sat there and I was like, all right, and go. And there was nothing. There were no words. Like God did not say a thing. 
And um, this went on for about two months, at the end of which I got very upset with God. And I sat down at the bench at the lake and decided that I was not going to move from there until God told me what it is that he wanted me to do, that I was called. And I fell asleep on the park bench. <laughs> I'd like you all to imagine this. Imagine you're going on your little power walk around the lake and there's, there's this girl snoring away on a park bench, um, probably with a half angry look on her face. And I woke up, probably with a snort, I don't know, that's how things happen now, and I woke up and I was very angry that God hadn't spoken to me, and so I just, I, I like said it one more time, I was like, God, you, you need to tell me if I'm called or not. And he told me to study photography at Wintech. Now, it's a little bit of a curveball, but basically I had, I had been dabbling with a camera, but wasn't really interested in studying photography or doing it as a job. And so this came out of left field, and I remember thinking, okay... You know, I do like photography. I'll go ahead and do it, but this doesn't this doesn't make sense. This isn't like the direct kind of path that you had planned for us. Well, that I thought. Um, but when I went and studied at WinTech, there was um, a few things I learned. But the most important paper that I did was called Eco Design. Important in terms of today. So in Eco Design, we were learning about how to design things in a way that was respectful of the land and of the people of the land. So when you buy clothes or you design clothes, designing it from textiles that haven't been taking advantage of third world people or you um, design properties using recycled things. So basically this was my introduction into knowing that there were people out there that suffered because of the way that we live sometimes. And I was first made aware of human trafficking through this paper where I, where I was told that there are people that sit in workshops and they sew your clothes together for like a pittance just so that you can have a $5 shirt instead of a $25 shirt. And so this is where I was first introduced into human trafficking and what it was about. And again, these things don't make sense when you're in them, right? I just did eco-design as a paper to fill the gap. It wasn't really a paper that I really was passionate about, and I didn't really know anything about it, but I knew that um, he gave out really easy A's, <laughs> you know, like he gave you a good mark, and so I was like, all right, I'll go do that paper, and I didn't know that this was like a pivot, pivotal moment where I, I learned something that was really important later on. After I graduated from Wintech, I was spending the weekend with my family down in Hawke's Bay, and me and my brother were having a very robust conversation about Israel. Now, what's happening in Israel is quite a long and complex thing, and I can't go into it. But basically, Israel is a protected country. They have, like, an um, air force, and they have ways of protecting themselves from attacks from the countries around them. And when I was talking to my brother, I was explaining to him that, yes, the Jews are a very vulnerable people, but the most vulnerable people in that area are actually the Palestinian children. Because they're the ones that the people are taking advantage of by shooting the um, bombs and stuff from where they live or from their schools or from those areas. And when Israel retaliates to get rid of the terrorist threat, they're bombing homes and they're bombing schools. And this is a necessary part of their defense, but it means that there are a lot of kids that are left orphaned and they have, they're very vulnerable to exploitation and to trafficking or to being taken advantage of as child soldiers. And I remember my brother telling me, um, at the height of our very robust conversation, that if I, if I wasn't over there doing something about it, I didn't deserve to have an opinion about it. So basically, go and do something about it if your opinion is so 
loud and big. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I'll go to Palestine and I'll change it. That'll teach you. I'll go over there and I'll do something about it and then you'll have to listen to my opinion. Um, And uh, obviously that's not where we're heading. But that started again something within me in my heart where I was like, no longer am I just going to talk about the things that I think should be happening in the world, but maybe I should go out and do something about it. So it sort of started a conversation that I wasn't really thinking about before that point. Oh, I think that same weekend, um, me and my dad ended up watching a movie. So it was just playing on TV. And um, we were having a big chat. And anyway, this movie started, and it's called Whistleblower. Has anyone seen Whistleblower? It's a pretty rough movie about um, sex trafficking over in Bolivia. And the reason it was so rough and the reason it hit me at such... I was very vulnerable at that point. One, because I just had that argument with my brother about going and doing something. And two... In this particular story, the UN was involved in the trafficking. So they were involved in moving these girls across the border. And to me, that's the ultimate betrayal of trust. When a company or an organization that is supposed to be doing good in the world is actually involved in doing the bad in the world, you know. And the story is quite hopeless. And the girl, yeah. It's not a nice story. She doesn't get saved. And I remember just turning to my dad and being like, Dad, how can we worship a God who put me in this body, right? He gave me this family, this Christian family. I was brought up in a Christian family with Christian people around me. I made some dumb decisions along the way, but still God came and showed himself to me time and time again, time and time again. Hundreds of times I've had these opportunities to turn to God. And most of the time I'll say no, and then I'll say yes that one last time, and that'll be what saves me. But this girl gets none of that. She's born into a family that happens to live in Eastern Europe. She's born into a poor family, and she makes one dumb decision, and then she's gone. And God has not been with her or so I was thinking, I was like, why does he give me hundreds of thousands of chances and she gets none? And what do I do with all that privilege? And my dad said to me, well, Naomi, God could come down and step in, but he's given us that responsibility most of the time. So God will come down in miraculous events every now and again, but most of the time, that is our responsibility. God has given us that money that privilege, that responsibility, that knowledge of him, God has given that to us. And that's like a talent that he gives you. And you are required to do something with that. So living in this privilege now means that we're required to do something with that privilege. And if we don't, these people die and they don't hear about God. That's just how it is, you know? Um, The story of Esther is quite interesting, where Mordecai goes to Esther. Esther is in a position of being able to save the Jews. She just has to go and say something to the king. And Mordecai says to her, Esther, you've been put in this position for such a time as this. But if you don't do it, salvation will come from somewhere else. And to me, that's 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 a thing that I've been taking on really personally. Like God will still save people. God will still reach out to people, but he will use someone else and you'll miss out. You'll miss out on the calling that you had on your life because you chose not to step forward, right? So God still has it. There's a hope there. God still has it, but it just won't be you. But don't we want it to be us? 
Don't we want us to be the people that do it? So anyway, I came back. I told Glenn we should move to Europe, and he said no, because obviously that's how I presented it. We should move to Europe, and Glenn's like, no. Um, but eventually, a few, a few months later, we decided to take a vision trip, they call it, out to Hungary, where you go there and you have a look around and you see what's happening and if you can be involved. And I was hoping that this trip would be the trip that changed Glenn's mind. This is what happened. So this was my magical trip to Budapest. Um, this is the public transport where we were about to head out to go see one of the nice views. Um, Mina was a really good traveller, except for when we were travelling. So... <laughs> She was good once we got there and settled in, but on all the in-between parts, absolute nightmare. Like, if I had known what it took to take an 18-month-old on a 30-hour plane trip over to... I would never have done it. So, <laughs> grateful for that. Um, but this is some of what we got to see. And this, like, this was a magical evening where I fell in love with the city. It wasn't like... It's not like Italy. It's not... It's not beautiful all the time, but there are beautiful parts about it. Um, but I'll let Glenn tell his part of the story. So if you could give Glenn a good welcome. Morning. How are we going this morning? Make sure I talk into the right one. My name's Glenn. I've been coming to Elam for about 12 years now. And as Naomi said, we've been married for 10 and a half years. 12 years ago when Ant's had hair. So I'm just going to give you a little bit of my story, my background, and kind of explain how we got to this point where Naomi and I are now, and, and what our future is going to hold for us. So I, I grew up in a Christian household, but in my teenage, early 20 years, I was a little bit of a rat bag, or maybe a big rat bag, got up some uh, shenanigans, mischief, kind of went off the rails. Uh, about 14 years ago now, I think, I started my apprenticeship in welding, fabricating. So I'm a welder by trade. I'm not a scholar. I'm not a preacher. I'm not somebody who stands up on stage and talks to everybody. So I'm a tradesman. And so that means I built a lot of stuff out of steel. Parts for power stations, dairy factories, digger roll cages, boats, everything. And so a few years ago, I had the opportunity to go to Russia with OMS. OMS is the organization we're going to Budapest with. And so OMS had a short-term team going out to Russia. And I was like, yeah, I really want to go to Russia. I really like the, the country, the architecture, the people. And so I stepped up and was like, yep, let's go. I had no idea what I'd be doing over there. And so we went and helped the local church. So over in Russia, the church is very persecuted, especially Christian churches. And so they have very, very strict rules on what you can and cannot do. So a church cannot rent a building. You can't say, oh yeah, we're just going to rent the school gymnasium for our service. You have to own the building. And they're real strict on your building being up to the building standards. There's an apartment block down the road. No fire escape. Everything's falling apart. Oh no, church. You've got to be onto it. So I went to Russia and I designed and fabricated a fire escape for them. And so I had no idea I'd be going to go do that. And so God called me from New Zealand, grubby little welder, went all the way to Russia. I welded, fabricated, designed, and installed this fire escape for them. So that's kind of a little bit of what God's done in my life. After I finished my welding, I uh, 
sorry, my apprenticeship, and when I did my uh, commercial diver's ticket, that's hard hat diving, that thing I got in my lap, um, using umbilicals, so tethered to the surface, doing decompression, all that other fun stuff. So I do underwater welding. I don't know if anybody remembers the Rena container ship that crashed a few years ago. Worked on the salvage of that. Done work all over New Zealand, work in Australia, Singapore, the UAE. So I've travelled around a little bit with my job. I'm not going to lie, I love my job. <laughs> it's not hard for me to go to work every day. I really, really enjoy it. And so at the moment, I'm working out at the commercial dive school out at Huntley. I'm teaching the welding and uh, underwater construction for their course out there. So for me to go from that, turn around and uh, give it all up, to go to Europe and do something, I'm like, oh, God, this is not really what, what I want to do. So as Naomi said, we took our trip to Hungary uh, July last year. So a year ago, we were in Hungary. Uh, did all the trip. Yeah, it was nice. The people were really cool. But I got back from that trip and I was like, nah, I just want to stay here. So I had the option of staying here or, or going. And so I went up to Hotwater Beach. Has anybody been to Hotwater Beach? Yeah. yeah. So I went round on the rocks, sat on the rocks, and, and I, I prayed. I prayed real hard. I said, God, if, if this is what I'm supposed to do, you have to come and change me. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do it. Man, I love my work. Um, and so God came and he changed me. So it's real. Nomi will testify to it. The change that happened within me in that month was just, yeah, 180. And so I said, yes, let's go, let's go and do this trip to, to Hungary. Let's move there uh, without actually knowing what we're going to go do over there. And so we've been in talks with uh, the guys over there who currently have a team based in Budapest. And the plan is that uh, I'll go over there and we'll set up a welding school for the local Roma gypsies. So the, the Roma are pretty persecuted over there and they're kind of pushed to the side. Nobody wants to know about them. High levels of unemployment, lots of alcoholics, drug use, and just, yeah, their whole people group is not, not in a good place. And so my personal conviction is there's no point in me standing up here and saying, oh, Jesus loves you on a Sunday morning. I go back to my nice house. You go back to your tent. You go back under the bridge. I want to give people skills and opportunities to get themselves a better life. And so that's the way I feel that I should show Jesus' love for other people. And so going over to Hungary, first six months we're going to be full immersion language course. So we're going to be learning Hungarian. And then looking at start partnering with uh, the Hungarian bridge building company and setting up a welding school to teach these, these local people a skill to get a better life for them so they can provide for their family and they don't, they don't have to feel like they've been pushed aside like they have in the past. All good so far? Yeah. Sweet ass. So just one thing I, I want you to take away from this is... Uh, God equips those who he's called. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, find these, these great speakers, great theologians, whatever you may be, and send you. He gets, he gets a, a dirty little welder from Hamilton, a little bogan, like Naomi said. And, and he's, he's equipping me, and he's, he's training me. So he's, this last week, actually, I was on a course out at the dive school doing more 
upskilling on teaching adult education. And so a year ago, I didn't have these skills. But after I've said yes, all these extra skills, God's been pouring into me to help me with what we're going to do over there. All good? So I'll hand back to Naomi now, and she'll, she'll round it out for us. Ah, uh, that's so good. Yeah, cool. So the Roma gypsies are like a group in Hungary that used to, um, you know, when you hear about gypsies, they're the wandering people that have caravans. These people were just as persecuted as the Jews in World War II. So they were nearly wiped off the face of the planet, but they were a bit more of a hidden group because that's not sort of the stuff we learn about in today's school education, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so those are the people that we've decided that we want to work with, and that's the community that we want to work with because they're the most vulnerable people group over there, and so human trafficking and exploitation is quite high in that group. So this is the main, this is the key point we want everyone to take away today is that God calls us all based on our potential rather than our performance. So for those of you that might be feeling like like you made a decision for God or you were brought up in a Christian home, but things have been sliding a little bit or you've let some things go or you're not as disciplined as you thought you should be, God sees that, but He doesn't call you based on that. Right? God calls you based on your potential. So you still have the potential to do great things. Me and Glenn both had murky teenage years and we were kind of murky adults. We're still kind of murky. We're still making fairly average calls sometimes. But God is not choosing us based on those calls. He's choosing us based on our potential. And I think everyone in this room has potential to go and do great things. God sometimes doesn't want you to see the whole picture. It's a bit scary, the whole picture, right? If God had called the disciples, His 12 boys that He called to follow Him and told them how they were going to die, I don't know if any of them would have picked up their cross and followed Him, right? They all had pretty horrific deaths in the end. And if God had told them that at the start, they may not have done the thing that they were supposed to do. So sometimes the pieces in your life, they don't make sense. And the decisions that you're making or the decisions that you think God is making doesn't make sense, but that's because you don't need to see the whole picture, right? God sees the whole picture. God sees what you have the potential of doing and your capabilities. We're about to leave our home with a three-year-old and leave all of our family. Like that does not make any sense. We're about to go to the other side of the world our businesses are just starting to take off. Glenn's doing really great in his work. My business is, as a photographer and a designer, that's just starting to take off. It doesn't make sense logically why we would go now. But God has called us to go, and so we're going to. So if you want to be a part of our journey, if you don't feel like right now it's your call to leave and go to the other side of the world, that's okay. But would you partner with us? Would you be able to support us in our journey? Because as you partner with us, as you come alongside us, you become part of that journey. So even though you might not necessarily be able to up and leave right now, you become part of the people making a difference over in Hungary because we couldn't do it without you. So we're asking for some support. We're looking for around 95 people to support us around $12.50 a week. And that's going to give us enough money to be able to survive over there with our daughter and to do the work that we need to do. So if you feel like God has laid it on your heart to support us, would you sit with that? Would you come and chat with us 
and have a coffee and come and talk to us about what we're doing because you would be just as important in this journey as we would if you come on and support us. Some of the things that we have thought were going to be hard have actually been really easy in this journey. Some of the things that we thought were easy have been hard. So our character development, like God's been testing us and refining us and getting us ready for this next journey. And some of that's been really hard. Learning that some of the decisions we've been making have been bad and that we need to change that. But, you know, I I just think that when God is testing you and pushing your boundaries, it's because something big is about to happen. If you want to keep in touch with us and follow our journey. Next slide. Um, we got Facebook, we got Instagram, we've got a whole heap of ways that you can follow along with us. We'd love to keep in touch with our community here in Hamilton. So if you want to follow along, this is some of the ways that you can follow along and hear about what we're doing. Because some of the plans are going to change. Some of the things are going to adjust to suit the culture that we don't really know about till we're there, right? So this is some of the ways that you can keep in touch with us. Um, but thank you for listening to us, some of you more than once today. Appreciate it. But um, yeah, it's been a real privilege.